we are going to uh, start just a small little series uh, called Pray, Fasting, and Give. And um, the idea is, uh, I've never really uh, preached on fasting before, I think maybe one other time, uh, but we're going to talk about why fasting is important in, uh, in our lives, personally, corporately, uh, as well, and, and give you some ideas and, and some thoughts on how you can step into uh, fasting. Uh, along with, I'm going to be talking about praying today, obviously, and then in two weeks, we're going to talk about giving. And talk about tithing, and uh, I don't. I rarely, if ever, speak on uh, the principle, the the biblical principle of tithing, and uh, and I'm kind of dumb for telling you that it's coming uh, because you're like, yeah, that's the Sunday I'm gonna skip. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, the, here's here's why now. Um, uh, I mentioned in second service last week, and for some of you that were not here, uh, for the past four years, we've been in the process of selling a portion of our property. Uh, that uh, would ultimately get us completely out of debt as a church, and and then some. And uh, at the end of December, uh, we sold our piece of property. The contract finally closed. And uh, now, as a church, we are completely debt-free. We have no debt left at all. So we're super excited about that. And, uh, and, and we have and, the, uh, and then some as well in our bank account. And... Uh, from the proceeds of the, the sale of the property. So I thought, what a better, what better time to talk about the principle, the biblical principle of giving than when we don't need your money. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, I think oftentimes what happens is, is we, we get in this mindset that tithing or that giving is really in order to keep the lights on or it's this exchange of goods or whatever. And really that, that defeats the whole biblical principle of the process. Uh, and so we're going to talk about that in a, in a couple of weeks. I hope that you'll join us for that time. I know that maybe uh, the, the thought of money in the church uh, may be discouraging to some of you because you've seen it in a bad situation before. I just encourage you. I'll be gentle. I'll be nice. We're going to be biblical about it uh, and, uh, and a great opportunity for us to, to talk about it, all right? All right, so today we're going to talk about praying. I... Uh, I want us to, to kind of, it's going to be a little bit different today. I'm, I'm pretty scripted with my messages. Uh, I, I type them out word for word, and I often will read them as I'm, as I'm communicating. And uh, today's a little bit different. Uh, it's scaled back in our worship. It's kind of scaled back. You don't have message notes today. So if you're one of the fill-in-the-blanks people, I apologize to you because you're not going to be able to fill anything out. But um, I just want to, I felt like today was just, we're kicking off the year um, really just talking as family and talking about what it is that God's calling us to as a church and, and to be a people of presence, to be in his presence. Uh, and, and so as we, as we talk, I, I, I have some notes, I'll, I'll refer to my notes a little bit and I have some scriptures for us today, but I, I just want to share with you a, a little bit about the idea of hearing the voice of God. So, so it's really twofold. It's, I want us to talk about hearing the voice of God and being in his presence, but then I, I want us to talk uh, in... That was weird, right? <laughs> All right. Like, I get nervous when things happen behind me. I don't... I don't I, I, when I sit in a restaurant, I sit so that I'm facing the doors. That's how weird I am. And so that, that freaked me out. But 
All right, so I'm, I'm hoping that it, that's not a sign from first service and that what I'm about to share with you is going to be good. So, um, so I want to talk about being in his presence, but then I also want to talk about um, walking in the anointing of God and, and actually being a people of anointing and, and being a people where the spirit of God and the presence of God is actually on us as we, as we go through this year. I think every one of us at one time has probably said, and maybe you would identify with this, that, um, that you just, you pray, and you pray, and you pray, you pray really hard, and it seems like you can't hear God's voice, right? That you want to hear God's voice, but, but it just, it, it doesn't seem to be there. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how you change things up. It doesn't matter uh, what you say or what you do. It just, it's, it, it, you can't hear his voice, or at least you can't, you don't think that you can hear his voice. But the reality is, is that we were actually created. We are wired to hear his voice. We, we hear better when we're not thinking about it truthfully. I think what, oftentimes what happens is, okay, I'm gonna really focus and I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend my time you know, just being quiet or I'm gonna turn on some worship and then I'll hear his voice. And I think sometimes we, we hear his voice better when we're, when we're not thinking about it. And I'm not talking about like, like checking your brain at the door. I'm, I'm not saying that, but I am saying that, that there is this recognition and this understanding that, that in our flesh, in our fleshly ability, right? Like, like if I could just tune in my ears to hear what it is that God's saying, I would say that it's really not about what we can do, but about the spirit of God living inside of us. That it's because of his spirit inside of us, we hear God's voice. It's not, a, it's not a question as to whether or not God is speaking to you. He is speaking to you. It's a, it's a matter of whether the spirit inside of you, your soul, is, is hearing it and understanding it and recognizing it. I, I didn't use this in first service, and this concept is a little um, abstract maybe for some of you but because uh, you haven't thought of it in this way, but uh, th- think about the, the passage of Scripture in Philippians where it says that the peace that surpasses all understanding. Have you ever found yourself in a situation, in, in a circumstance that um, is, is a struggle? It's hard. It's a difficult time. It's, whether it's a diagnosis with a sickness or it's the death of a loved one or the loss of a relationship or whatever your circumstance, it's really, really hard. And even in the midst of something that should not be peaceful, there's this peace that surpasses the understanding of the circumstance. Uh, I was thinking of uh, a family that was in first service whose daughter was diagnosed with uh, leukemia and just the process and, and to hear their story talk about the fact that they, in the midst of that, in the midst of the treatments, in the midst of it, there was just a, a peace there. And what I would encourage us is in, and help us understand is that that peace is the voice of God speaking in your life. That is his voice. He is speaking to you even if we don't recognize that it's him. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10 says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things that God has revealed to us by what? By his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. It is the spirit of Christ that lives in us. 
that hears the voice of God. I don't believe that you can condition your flesh to hear from the voice of God. That that it's only by the Spirit living in you that you hear from Him. I think some of us live not believing that God actually is speaking to you. I think that there are some of us who, who live in this life not believing that God can hear you. I think oftentimes what happens is we give opportunities for, uh, for you to fill out the card and, and the prayer request, and there's nothing wrong with that, and that's a good thing. But, but sometimes I wonder if, if maybe there are some who think that that's the only way in which God could ever answer anything in your life is if you have someone else on your behalf go before your Heavenly Father. See, the truth is, is he hears you. He hears you, and he is speaking to you. But it requires being in his presence. It requires us stepping into the presence of God, being, availing ourselves to him, and being connected to the spirit of Christ in us. Sometimes we hear his voice, we don't, we don't know it's him. My dad used to tell me, he, he used to give me this life advice on, uh, he, he would say, if, if it sounds too good to be true, it, it is, right? You know, if a Nigerian prince sends you an email saying you're going to get $2 million, all you have to do is just give him your bank account and he'll wire it in there. That sounds too good to be true, right? It is. And if you've ever done that, just stop doing that. But I think that that statement could actually be shifted in our spiritual life, in our prayer life, to if it sounds too good to be you, then it probably is. If it sounds like something you can come up with, you, something that you could in your flesh, in your ability, in your mind be able to say, oh yeah, look at, look at what I've done, look at, look at this, then that's probably you. But if there's something that's taken place in your life where it's like, that, like, I think highly of myself, but there ain't no way I could have come up with that. That's the voice of God speaking in your life. On the road to Emmaus, there was a couple guys who, who were talking and Jesus comes up and he starts speaking to them and and. They don't recognize that it's Jesus. They don't know that it's him. And so he's speaking to them, and they're listening, and he's asking them these rhetorical questions that he already knows the answer to, and all of this takes place, and they invite him back. And, they, and at one point, the two men, in Luke chapter 24, verse 32, they ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? There was something that even though they didn't recognize that it was Jesus, there was something inside of them. There was something that, that leapt and burned within them that they knew this is something other than earthly. This is something other than man-made, something other than the flesh. Sometimes we hear his voice and we know clearly that it's him, but I believe that there are many times where he is speaking and we don't even recognize that it's him, but we know that it's something. 
So I want us to think about hearing the voice of God, being in his presence, but then I want us to kind of shift and talk about the anointing of God on your life. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So you could, you could take a look at those script, that scripture and, and spend a lot of time on it. But I, I want us to focus on this idea that, or, or, or to take a look at this idea that there is darkness over the peoples. We live in a world where there's peoples and they got darkness over them. Lots of peoples, actually. But the end of that scripture says but the Lord rises upon you. The, the Lord is on, on you, and, and you bring light to the peoples. That's what we're called to do. The, the anointing of God, the Spirit of God is upon us, as we're about to read, in order to breathe light to the peoples who are living in darkness. It says, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Not only will, will you be taking your light to the darkness, but when you step into a place with the Spirit of God on you, people will be drawn to you. Peoples who are living in darkness will say, I want that. And all of a sudden, transformation begins to take place. If we want to change our our world that we're living in, if we want to transform our city, then maybe we ought to begin allowing the Lord to rise upon us and his glory to appear on us and to be able to step out into our city to the peoples who are living in darkness. Isaiah 61 Verse 1, we'll read the four of these verses, and I've spoken on these before. But it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. Now, many will read that passage of Scripture, and they will think in their minds, well, that's good for Pastor Ryan, because he's a professional, so the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, and he has anointed him to do the work of the ministry, and I would just say for a second, just, let's just stop and let's read it this way. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. He's anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. He has, he has sent me to bind up. He has sent us to bind up the brokenhearted. He's sent us to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To, to, he wants us to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. He wants us to comfort all who mourn. He wants us to provide for those who grieve. He wants us to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. He says they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. 
Can we just recognize for a moment that we all qualify in those first three verses? We all qualify with this understanding that at one point, if you are a follower of Christ, at one point you were living in brokenness, you were once broken, and now you've been redeemed, you've been restored. And so every one of us can look at those verses and we can identify with the fact that we qualify for those. There's been brokenness, we're restored. He takes those who are broken people, Broken in relationships, broken in identity, broken in, in affliction, broken in disease. Like people who are broken and he redeems them and he brings them to a place of restoration. And we look at that and we think, yes, I, I identify with that. Jesus brings a redemptive touch, a healing touch to me. And he says, and the broken then becomes oaks of righteousness. When I was a kid, I I grew up in a little town called Roseburg, Oregon. It's a town of about 20,000 people, and it's a a logging town. You can go to Home Depot, and actually, if you go into the lumber section, you'll see Roseburg Forest products on it. We're kind of famous. But (laughs) logging has gone way downhill and but when I was a kid, uh, I grew up in this town. I know I probably don't look like it today, but when I was a kid, uh, in order to raise funds for your youth group, uh, you would do something that was ridiculous in my mind now. Um, you would, uh, because everyone up in, up in my part of, of the Northwest, we would uh, heat our homes with wood-burning stoves. Not everybody, but a lot of people. A lot of people wouldn't even have heaters necessarily. Or if they did, they were just backups in case they ran out of wood. And so everybody had to have wood. And so as a fundraiser, what we would do as a youth group is we would go up into the mountains and we would split wood. We would cut it down, we would split it. And, uh, and so my dad would go with me. And I was thinking about this uh, just, just yesterday. I was thinking about this. I was thinking, if, if, if this was today... Right? I mean, if Paul came up with this dumb idea for next gen to go split wood, I don't know if I would get up with my kid. I would be like, I'll just give you the money. I, I don't, I don't want to do, do that. But my dad was a better dad than I am. And, and so he, he would get up with me like 6 a.m., the crack of dawn, and we would go up into the mountains with the rest of the youth group and their parents, and they would cut down these trees, and then we had this thing. We had multiple splitters, and if you don't know what a splitter, and I'm just assuming that many don't know this, but if you do, I apologize. So a splitter is this uh, hydraulic deal that you put a, a chunk of wood onto, and the splitter comes in, and it splits it into firewood. Well, uh, so then... Once you had the firewood, then you would stack it. We did that. We'd load it up, and, and people would buy cords of wood. And the cord is a measurement of wood anyways. So if you put a fir tree, if you put a pine tree up onto the, onto the splitter, no problem. It would go through it like butter. But if you put an oak tree on there, it's, it, that's a different story. It's much harder for the splitter to go through it if it could even make it through it. Uh, another example of the sturdiness and the toughness of wood is uh, we had a, a person, and this won't come as any surprise to you, speeding down Wilderness Oak, uh, down the hill there, uh, about to kill somebody, I'm sure, and uh, ended up, it was at night, ended up uh, 
hitting our, our old sign. This is a few years ago. Just obliterated the sign, right? Didn't stop them at all. You know what did stop them? The oak tree. <laughs> In its tracks. Barely even put a little scratch on the oak tree. And the oak tree's like, what, that's all you got? I gave you a running start at it. You know, and you still couldn't take me down. See, there's something about the sturdiness and the toughness and the solidness of the oak tree. In other words, what Isaiah 61 is telling us is that the people who were once unstable, the people who were weak, who were soft, now are the most stable. Because they're anchored in something that's eternal. It goes on in verse 4 and it says, and it's them, it's they that will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities and have been, uh, that have been devastated for generations. See, if we identify with this idea that we were once broken people, we were once pine trees, and now all of a sudden we're these oak trees. We are the solid people who are planted firmly in eternal things. Then guess what? It is us. It's us who are going to rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places that have been devastated in people's lives. That it's us that will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations, that we are the people who step into that. See, we all qualify for the broken that have been healed and redeemed, but it also reminds us of the value that we then have for those who have not yet been redeemed. For the people who, who are still broken and still hurting, the people who haven't experienced maybe the things that we've experienced in Christ, that, that they're still living in the midst of their brokenness, we have the opportunity to have value for them and to care about them. The Lord is commissioning us. He's commissioning us to be, to allow and to invite his world into our world. We know the prayer, it's, it's referred to as the Lord's Prayer, and, and most many of us would probably even be able to memorize it, right? Our Father who art in heaven, at least we know it in King James, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're given this instruction, and then we're given this, the, the things that, uh, that we really focus on. It's, it's kind of the second part of it. it. We tend to focus on the, like, bread. That's what I want. Give me, my, give, give me today my bread, God. And we, we skip over the, the first part where it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's an old Baptist pastor named Jack Taylor, and he said that that phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done, should be said, kingdom of God, come. Will of God, be done. Because if you're, if you're begging him to do something that's already his will, then we don't really fully understand who he is. 
See, we can, we can strategize all we want. How are we as a church going to bring healing and wholeness to this city that we live in, to this world that we're a part of? How do we, how do, we do that? And we can strategize all we want, but really, the strategy's already kind of been done. And, I, and there's nothing wrong with having a plan. Like, let's have a plan, and we will have a plan, and we're going to talk about that at, at the end of this month at our family meeting. But But really, the big secret, the big plan, Jesus says, is I just want you to pray. Just pray. Pray my world into your world. Pray my kingdom come, my will be done on earth into your world as it's done in heaven. He says, declare it. Address the issues of relationship and personal need and personal character and move on to praise. But whatever you do, pray my will be done. The point is, is that without the people of God that are praying, his will can't be done. Oftentimes what happens, and I'm, I'm as guilty of this as anybody, we will walk around wondering, God, why aren't you moving? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you... And maybe it's because we're not praying. Maybe it's because it's been a long time since I said, God, I want to release what you have on my life. I want your will to be done on, on my, in my life, in my world, in my family. And the question for us is, when was the last time we did that? I don't, I don't mean that as a, this isn't prayer shaming, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm recognizing that, that I'm as guilty of this as anybody. That it's easy to go through our life running and running and running and trying to do everything on our own. Well, maybe we just need to stop being his presence and pray. To pray. I think for some of us, we have to return to our, our, our childlike status. See, when I was a kid, I used to pray, and I, I used to actually believe that what I prayed would happen. And now I find myself at times praying, hoping that it will happen. See, we have to return to this, this state in which we understand and recognize just how powerful our prayers are. I think we've lost sight of that. I think we've, we've lost sight of the idea that, that our prayers actually matter and make a difference. I, I don't think we give our prayers enough credit for the power that they have. There was a man by the name of John Knox. He, uh, he was a Reformationist. He was a part of the Reformation. And he had this encounter with uh, Queen Mary of Scots. And she said something about John Knox that I, th- I found pretty interesting. She said, she said that I'm more fearful of the prayers of John Knox than all the armies of the world amass. There was something about the prayers of John Knox that obviously had influence, had power, made a difference to where somebody actually noticed it. Uh, another Reformationist, a guy by the name of Martin Luther, and these guys aren't perfect people by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, but Martin Luther said that 
he said, I, I'm so busy, I have so much to do that I need to actually pray more. That's not what I say, usually. Usually, I'm thinking, I've got all of this stuff that I've got to get done. I don't have enough hours in the day. What can I get rid of? Oh, I know, prayer. Uh, that, that's, uh, God will understand. He knows I'm busy. And so we neglect the very thing. See, what Martin Luther knew is he knew that all of the things that he was going to be busy with, God controlled all of that. And so the best thing he could do was go to him in prayer. Our prayers are, are more powerful than we, than we give them credit for. And the question that we should be asking ourselves as we go into this new year, as we step into 21 days of prayer, is how, what slice of our life does God have? What part of our life does he get to be a part of in the midst of our life treadmill that we're on? What I believe that God has done in the life of our church is, has been a result of his faithfulness, of his patience. God has done some amazing things in the season of this church, in the life of this church. But it's because of his faithfulness, it's because of his patience. I don't believe that it's because we are a people who spend the time in his presence to the point at which he would so desire from us. I know that sounds, sounds bad, right? It sounds like, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you saying that we don't pray? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Are you saying we don't, we're not spending time in his presence? I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying, like, so as an example, I, uh, I do marriage counseling at times. And if you have uh, the husband and wife in the office and you were to ask them just some hard questions about their marriage, ask them about their intimate, intimacy, their intimate life, uh, and, and they're both there, what you'll get is a, a soft response. You'll get a response that they're, they're going to put up a front and they're going to say to you, oh, yeah, it's good, it's great, everything's fine, we're, we're, we're okay. But you get them alone, you get them by themselves, and you ask them the very same question, you get an honest answer. No, it's, things are not going well. And, and I wonder if we, see, in, in this context, if, if you were to ask God, God, how is your intimacy with Pastor Ryan, how is your relationship with him, I could say, oh, it's good, it's good, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're fine, me and God, we're good, we, we love each other. Everything's okay, but if you were to pull God aside and say, no, seriously, tell me, how is it? Would you get an honest answer? If we were to ask God, like, what part of your, what part of the, the slice of this person's life, of Pastor Ryan's life, do you have? What, what would he say? Can we be defined as a praying church? Sure, honestly, as a, as a church, I mean, we, every Saturday we have the opportunity to gather together and you have people who are praying over this service and praying over you. Throughout the week, you have people who are praying for your requests. Can we say that we're a praying church? Yeah, sure, we pray. We pray. But is there more that God wants from his relationship with us? 
Is there a closeness? Is there an intimacy that's missing in our relationship with him? How's our prayer life with God? There's this interesting analogy that takes place where throughout Scripture, and I I was kind of turned on to this by uh, another pastor in another message, but it's it's this metaphor that's used throughout Scripture about feet. Feet are, in my personal opinion, are disgusting parts of our bodies. I have a teenager, and I, you know, no offense to him, but his feet stink. I, I, you know, I have a little girl who's a dancer, and she comes home from dance, her feet stink. Feet are kind of gross, right? But all throughout Scripture, what we find is this reference to feet, and and one of the most interesting references is from uh, Job, right? It's Job twenty nine verse six, and it's Job talking about his feet, and he says. My feet are covered, are dripping with butter. Maybe that changes your perspective a little bit about feet, right? I mean, it's like, oh, feet are gross, but put some butter on it, wrap that sucker in bacon, and maybe we have a deal, right? So (laughs) Job is talking about this idea that his, his feet are dripping with butter. What in the world is he talking about? He's talking about this His feet dripping with blessing, his feet dripping with the anointing of God that everywhere he goes, he's leaving little drips of the anointing of God behind him. That every place he steps into, that there is an anointing that takes place. How do our feet drip with butter? How do we have the anointing of God on us but without the presence of God? See, your feet will drip with oil, your feet will drip with butter when we spend time with God. Romans 10, 15 says, how blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. Hebrews says that you will crush Satan under under what? Under your, your feet. The big strategy here is that your feet, wherever they go, should be bringing the anointing of God with it. Ephesians 6 says that my feet are covered with the gospel of peace, that there are people that I'm going to run into today who are experiencing chaos, who are experiencing brokenness in their life, and my feet are going to take me to them to bring peace into their life. If there's a a big idea here, it's that that wherever we go, we should be praying, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come today, and and then you lead me to wherever my feet are going to take me, and I will take the anointing of God with me. I will drip with the anointing of God in my life. I'll carry a a divine presence that affects people around me. You you don't have to, here's the thing, is people think that that, that you have to be crazy to share your faith with somebody or that that you have to be annoying or, uh, you know, hit them with the fire hose. It's like, uh, you know, and just like vomit Jesus onto them. 
You don't have to do that at all. You just have to have the Spirit of God on you. You just have to walk dripping with the anointing of God into the places that he's called you to go. And the scriptures and the promise say the people will be drawn to the light. They will be drawn to you. The whole issue of the Spirit of God coming upon us is not for our sake. It's for the sake of other people. It's for the people who are still living in brokenness. See, we've, we've received his mercy, as we sang earlier. His mercy has fallen on us. Our past, that's broken. We're no longer slaves to our sin. We are free people. But God has put the Spirit of God upon us to drip butter on every person we come into contact with. I had this, maybe the better picture is this. Is like I think about when we gather here. This is going to be gross, probably. And, and, and you're going to think I'm weird, and if you're busy, you'll probably never come back. But I had this picture of like when, when, you know when you're a kid, so we'll use a kid, that's a better illustration. So when you have a kid, and you're there about to go out into the sun, what do you do? You lather that sucker up with, with sunscreen, right? I mean, you just, like, a, you couldn't catch them if you wanted to because they're like a greased pig with, with sunscreen all over them. Everything they touch, they leave their mark on everything, right? And I, and I think like that's, that's what Sunday is. So Sunday's coming together and gathering together and getting lathered up. It sounds awful, but and we have so much of the anointing of God that everywhere we go, we leave little drips of Jesus. That there's just, there's, it's like, you just, you just got Jesus on me. That, there's something of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that takes place when, when we allow him to be on us, to be in us. I want us to pray, and I, I want us to, to close our time. Um, we've got some other things planned, but I want, us to just, I want us to just pray and ask the Lord what he's speaking to, to me. What is God speaking to you? This morning. God, we, first I would just, Father, I would say, for, forgive me, forgive us for not being more in your presence. And I, this isn't legalism or anything. God, you, you don't, you don't hold that against us, but man, I recognize all of what you've done in my life. What you continue to do in my life. And sometimes I feel like I feel like the disciples who keep falling asleep and keep falling asleep and Jesus is just like, that's just an hour. Could you even just spend an hour in prayer? God, forgive us for that. Forgive me for that. Forgive me for for replacing work and ministry into presence. God, I pray that 
that there would be a special grace of prayer, a special grace of presence that falls on us as a church. We would be a people that recognizes that it's not just up to some, but that the Spirit of God is upon us. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ, man, that's that's the first thing. That's, that's step one into your new year. I just encourage you, if that's you, if you came here and you're like, man, I, I, I am that broken person. I am the, the first three verses of chapter 61 of Isaiah that you talked about. I'm held captive. I am living in brokenness. And you've never surrendered your life to Christ. I would just say to you today, today's the day. Do that. Do that first. And it's as simple as just a surrender. And I, you know, I know you go into some environments and they'll have you raise your hand. I'm not going to have you do that today. But if that's you, I would just say, surrender. Say, God, I, I surrender. I'm tired of running this life on my own and I need to surrender it to you today. And if, it's, if that's you, it's just as simple as just saying it. We want to pray with you, and at the end of service, you'll have the opportunity to have somebody pray with you for that decision. But for the rest of us, could we just invite the Lord to say, to speak into our hearts and into our minds of what slice of our life do we need to give to him? Could we just ask for his forgiveness for not spending more time with him. Could we just take a moment this morning and kick off our year not making a bunch of promises or resolutions, but just kick off our year saying, God, I just want to be more in your presence this year. I just want to spend more time with you. My life seems to be getting busier and busier, and that means I need to be spending more and more time with you. God, I know your grace and your mercy covers all of us. You would never shame us. You would never condemn us. But God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, we would feel conviction and challenge. And God, that there would be change. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to uh, do two things. We're going to receive the offering. Uh, ushers, in fact, you guys can go ahead and come down and we'll just do that. Then I'm going to give you some instructions on how, we, how we're going to do communion this morning. Uh, Father, we, we pray uh, for our tithes and offerings this morning. God, we give really as a sacrifice of our praise. It's a part of our worship time together. God, we don't give out of religion or compulsion or guilt. We give really as a, an act of surrender saying, God, you have all of us. Like, not even our finances own us. We, we give to you. And God, ultimately, I pray that you would continue to just do the miraculous. Do what only you can do, that there would be lives changed. There would be restoration that takes place in relationships. And God, that you would continue to use this church to do great things for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, go ahead. You can drop your card in there. And after the baskets go by, we're going to, um, we're going to receive the elements of communion. And as we do that, um, 
there's two things, really. The, the way that we receive communion here at Lifehouse is you get up out of your chair, you make your way to one of the four different tables that are in the room, grab your little cup, your little cracker, and, uh, and if you're with family or if you've got friends here, you just spend some time in reflection of what God has done in your life. That you would recognize that it's because of the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross for you that we even get to gather here today. Uh, and so we, we reflect on what Jesus did for us. Uh, but then I would encourage you as well to just say, God, what more of my life can I give to you this year? Well, what areas in, do you want me to eliminate? What areas do you want me to prioritize and, and get figured out and say, God, I want to make you the priority in everything that I do. Uh, and there's going to be people available for prayer. So there, there's not going to be another opportunity or another dismissal, but we'll have some of our, uh, our prayer team available on the sides. And I would just encourage you. Uh, in fact, I was actually, I'm going to do this uh, before I dismiss you. How many of you have just been absolutely suffering from like being sick and allergies and stuff? I mean, hopefully some of you didn't show up today and get us all sick, but uh, but how many of you just, like, so my, my wife was supposed to sing today. She lost her voice. Uh, my son's been suffering with allergies. Miguel, our, our tech director, he's at home, you know, dealing with stuff. Uh, anybody else that's just been, this has been a season for you? I, I want to ask you to stand, and, and we're going to pray for you. Uh, because here's the thing. It's, it's easy. Here, here's what it's easy for us to do. Here's what it's easy. Uh, let me say this. Here's what's easy for me to do. Oh, it's just allergies. Ah, you'll get over it. It's just allergies. And we don't ever, like, actually pray for somebody. Like, do we actually believe that God could heal allergies? Oh, okay, I mean, I, I do, I, but sometimes I act as though I don't. That, that's just the truth. Is sometimes I, I operate in my life as though God cannot heal allergies. Uh, and so if, if you're suffering from allergies... Suffering from sickness and head cold and nonsense, I want, to, I want us to pray for you. If you're around people who are standing, would you just lay a hand on them? Would you stand, lay a hand on them, and, I, and I'm just going to pray. God, we pray for healing to take place. We believe that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That we, we believe that scripture. We believe that statement. We believe that the, the same God who raised Christ from the dead, who the, the the same power that raised Lazarus from the dead, the same power that healed the blind and the sick. God, the same power that does all of those things is present and available today. And so, God, I pray for healing to take place in people's lives. All these people, and for whatever reason, it's, this, it's the allergies that I'm most focused on. I'm sure there are others who have sickness, who have diseases, who have brokenheartedness and all that stuff, but it was this. It was like... You just said to pray for this, and so we're going to pray for that. We're going to pray for healing. God, we pray for, for, for nasal passages to clear up, heads to, to become clear. God, that there would just be healing that takes place in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you're going to make your way to the tables for communion. There will be people available for prayer. If you want prayer, go to them for prayer, and the worship team is going to close us out.